But I, I constantly try to remind clients and, and anybody that will listen that markets don't go in straight lines, right? We are here today with John Harms. John is very passionate about the investment side of what we do. If I look at any chart, whether it's the S&P 500 or an individual stock, I can pretty quickly look and see, all right, where are the areas on this stock that would either have trouble getting over or where we might find some support at certain prices. I just want to see what's happening at these levels. Do I see that that level get support? Does a lot of volume come in? Because that tells me, oh, there's institutions buying at these levels. Welcome to Dear Rochester. Retire well. Dive in. Be curious. Become prosperous. David Pulsini, CFP, his team, and his guests will help you figure out your six points and give you the ultimate roadmap to financial freedom and what to do from there. Now, let's get started. Here we go. Welcome back, folks. We are here today with John Harms, CFP. How are you today, John? I'm great, David. Thanks for asking. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's good to be here. You got it. I wanted to uh, get you back on the podcast to talk about the first point of six points, which, as the listeners know, is investment planning or obviously correlation with the markets and all that exciting stuff. And we wanted to do a little year-end recap on 2023 and then what to look forward to in 2024. But before we get into that, John, Let's build some credibility with the listeners. What got you into following investments the way you do? And why do you en- why do you enjoy it so much? And, and before you get going, for the listeners right now, John is very passionate about the investment side of what we do. So a lot of the advisors that we work with, when we're when we have detailed investment questions, we ask John. So Rather than have to listen to me talk about it, we wanted to have John on. So, but John, what got you into this in the first place? Jeez, David, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, it's kind of a long story. It actually is too long, so I'm going to summarize as best <laughs> that I can. Uh, so, I was an engineering student freshman year at Purdue, and uh, I just somewhere along the way decided I did not like sitting and being in the theoretical world of engineering. And I asked as many people as I could, a lot of friends, a lot of people I valued their advice. And I went into school of business management and my very first uh, investment course, like it really just sparked like right away. I knew, oh, I want, I don't know what I want to do in this world. I know I want to do something in this world. Right. And uh, then at one point, I think it was my junior year, um, I visited my brother who was going to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I was his guest on the show. Um, the true story. So they flew us up to New York City. And then we uh, went up to the Empire State. And like I, this was in the time World Trade was all the World Trade Center was up. And I looked down there and I thought, you know, maybe someday I'll work down there. Right. So I don't know. Fast forward, um, you know, you go through the 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 parts of our business, accumulating clients and all that. And I just always still had this big focus on how do I just get myself in this world of, of more so investments and investment planning and not just financial planning. So that was that was it. Once I got to the point where I had a big enough clientele and I can focus on, all right, I'm going to spend every extra hour I have learning about how do I maximize these investments and what I can do for my clients. 
Good for you, man. So listen, no one wants to talk about investments right now. We want to hear about who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> How did that end up? Oh, <laughs> uh, you want a thousand dollars? Got in the hot seat. No. It, was, it was it was a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. He was disappointed, very disappointed. But um, yeah, looking back, it was it's just a, an awesome experience. Uh, I hope he looks at it the same way, but um, you know, he probably doesn't. Yeah, I think you go to a show like that, you're you're assuming you're going to win one million dollars, right? But thousand bucks. We'll t- we'll oh, take yeah. the thousand bucks and call it a day. That's the goal. <laughs> we'll be back after this short message. Do you know how much money you need to retire with confidence? Do you know how long your money will last? Are you missing something? Retirement planning is like a puzzle. And we want to make sure that not only do we have all of the pieces, but that the pieces are in the right place. To find out where you stand, go to sixpointfp.com and take our How Much Do You Need to Retire? five-question quiz. We will email you a free video response to let you know what we think. Now, back to the show. So let's uh, let's talk about 2023, John, in, in investments. It's been... I don't want to take words out of your mouth. I have no idea what you're going to say about this. Somewhat of a roller coaster. I've, I obviously deal with clients. We've had emotions all over the place to start the year, halfway through the year, what we're experiencing right now. Give us a quick recap on what's happening and, and maybe some uh, reasons why. All right. So um, funny that you should say that. It's a roller coaster year. It's a crazy year. Um, I just say it's a normal year. It's a normal year in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, stock market can do just about anything. Um, but this year, we're actually up. S&P 500. Is, and, and I go back to the S&P a lot. It's, it's a large number of companies in there. It's, it's pretty well regarded as a standard. So I'm just going to stick to that one for right now. But S&P 500 is up almost 19% for the year, right? If you looked at the history of the stock market, like you would take that in any year. So... We did get there in uh, a pretty interesting way, but let's go back to 2022, right? So 2022, last year, pretty awful year, right? We can agree on that. Yep. Um, S&P 500 was down about 20% last year. So, uh, you know, being up 18, 19% this year, you could say, okay, that's that's pretty good, but we're actually not back to where we are, right? So that law, you know, go down 50%, you have to do 100% the next year. So we're still off a little bit, um, so it doesn't necessarily feel like it's it's that great yet, right? Um, but I, I constantly try to remind clients and and anybody that will listen that markets don't go in straight lines, right? Even in an up year, eighteen point six percent or eighteen point seven percent, wherever we are, um, we've pulled back two significant pullbacks this year. Um, we just went through one that, you know, even some of my, my best clients, uh, having conversations with them, like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Um, when you're talking about it's over 10% of a decline, that's actually happened five of the last 10 years, right? At some point in the year, we had a pullback of 10% or more. And most of those years, we still finished up in positive territory, but we have this, um, I shouldn't say everyone, but I'd say most people have this uh, this feeling that, okay, here's here's what I had at one point in the year, or this is this is this is how much I've lost from that, right? But we don't always think about it that way on on the way up, right? Like, okay, last October, what was your value and what is it now? It should be up substantially from that point in time. So I just try to keep 
a look at the market and say, all right, where's the trend going? Are we are we going in a downtrend or are we going in an uptrend? And since October of last year, we are most definitely in an uptrend. And again, that doesn't mean we can't have pullbacks. We should, right? That's healthy for a market. Um, but that that's kind of where we've got. We actually had another one at, toward the beginning of the year that was almost 8% pullback, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen it where the market pulls back 10% and the client doesn't even know it because by the end of that quarter, it recovered, right? Yep. So yep. Um, it, it's just kind of interesting. You, you try to... For me, again, like I say, this is a, this to me, this is a normal year. We want to be able to try to take advantage of some of these things. Uh, from a seasonality standpoint, we're we're right about where. And for those that don't know that term, it's the market kind of has these different patterns that, depending on where you are in the year. So you, you you typically would like to see an up market in the early part of the year, and then you kind of hit like a lag point during the summer, right? People are out spending time with their families. They're not. You know, pouring new money into the markets and worrying about that stuff. Um, and the traders and investment companies, they they typically take their vacations toward the end of summer. So you kind of see some downs there at the end of summer. And that's exactly what we experienced. And then most of the time, usually see a, a good period toward the end of the year. And, and we actually had um, in November so far, we've got a couple days left, but um, markets, the S&P up over 8% in November. So it's almost at this point like the last few months didn't happen. And that'll be a good thing for when people go to look at their year-end statements, as long as we don't have something completely crazy happen in December, right? So I'm not anticipating that. I'm just Oh, saying. I was gonna ask you, John. You got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I I I think uh with, with a lot of the things happening right now, it's 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 certainly shaping up to to finish out strong. So um, I'd also say though, it's kind of a tale of two markets, right? So SP up almost 19%. NASDAQ, the, the more growth-oriented uh technology companies, um, they're up over 36% for the year. But everything else is either flat or up just a little bit. So Dow Jones Industrial Average, another um, well-respected, well-regarded, well-known index, um, is really only up about 7% for the year. Russell 2000, those are our small companies. That's up less than 2% for the year. So um, if we are doing our job as investment advisors, planners, and diversifying people across different asset classes, we haven't all necessarily seen fantastic, you know, 20% return, 15% return in certain aspects of the accounts. Sure. But um, most people like one of them, I look at um, BlackRock iShares, right? BlackRock's the largest investment company in the world. Um, but what have, have they done on an allocation basis? So if I'm a traditional moderate investor, 60, 40, 60% stocks, 40 in bonds, um, there, that fund has only done about 5.7% for the year. So, um, a major reason for this is the bond market, yep. right? So we had interest rates rising so much this year. Um, and, and we've kind of seen them cooling off lately, but for most of the year, the trend on interest rates was up, right? So the Fed has been trying to, you know, um, bring that down, try to control inflation, bring that back down. 
And we're seeing lately that it has been working and we're trending in the right direction there. But for most of the year, bonds um, move the opposite to interest rates. So if interest rates are going up, our bonds are, are going down in value. Um, so that's really hurt a lot of people that are in the more moderate to conservative category, our, our retirees, right? Or people yep. approaching retirement. Yep. So, you know, it would be not responsible really to be 100% in large company growth stocks, right? Going into retirement. Might feel good when we're up 36%, but NASDAQ was down 35% last year, right? So um, it, it's it's very easy to, to to look at that and be jealous and want to chase that, but you got to have some bond exposure. And and the good news, I think, um, you know, if, if I'm looking ahead, is that it's very likely that at some point interest rates will come back down to a more reasonable level. We're already seeing them. They, they peaked mm-hmm. around 5% in uh, October, and they're already down to about 4.3% on the uh, 10-year treasury. So that that's already having a po- very positive impact on the bond market. We're starting to see that get closer to being positive for the year. So again, we try to look at not just what's happening in stocks, but uh, what's the overall markets doing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, clients ask all the time, "How's how's the market doing?" And, and my initial response is obviously the same as the other advisors: is which market are we talking? Yeah, about? which one? which one? Another question I get, John. I want to I want to hear your answer to this is. How often are you looking at this or probably more specifically to the client, the clients want to know or prospective clients, how often are you looking at my stuff? How do you, how do you handle that? So, I mean, I generally have models that uh, everyone in my, you know, all my client base is going to fit in an, into a certain model. So I just have to look at what the models are doing um, as far as like, you know, where I put you and what percentages that's going to differ on a client by client basis. But um, it, to me, that, that's fairly easy. Um, you know, again, I, you already mentioned it, but I do actually enjoy <laughs> looking at the markets a lot. So I, I'm looking at them very frequently mm-hmm. um, on a weekly basis. I, I'm doing a rundown of all the, there's probably about 25 to 30 things that, that you know, I made it a pretty systematic process to just look at those and kind of know you know what I'm looking. I can look at something pretty quickly and know whether it's something that, you know, do we need to to watch, keep a closer watch on this one, or are we still in pretty good shape? Um, but I, I combine that also with what's going on with with the economy and the economic reports. You know, yep. I I talk about that at our meetings, and yep. um, you know, it's it's a good idea to look at the markets, but where is that actually coming from? And it's generally coming from what's happening in the economy. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, and the listeners don't know this, John. John does an internal now a voice recording of the weekly market recap. So we, we look at it all the time. Um, we will get those published for you, John. We get, we're gonna start sending those out to people. If they can make it through it. They win, right? It's it. It's pretty technical, actually. Speaking of that, just so the folks know, um, you're gonna love this. That you know what you're talking about. We can't allow this to go more than one minute or people will be falling asleep on the road oh. listening to this in the car. Give us like a one minute technical time from John Harms on when you would consider, and we can't talk about performance folks, we're not allowed to, um, but what we can talk about is maybe some triggers or what would make us make a move in a portfolio. 
And I have seen John's charts before. We deal with them all the time. John, explain in one minute or less some technical features of what you <laughs> for the people oh, that are just gosh, listening, John's giving me a face. I can't right even now. put a it. chart up. So oh, yeah, this yeah, is gonna yeah. drive me crazy. Well, um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could say it like this. Basically, if I look at any chart, whether it's the S&P 500 or an individual stock, um, I, I can pretty quickly look and see, all right, where are the areas on this stock that would either have trouble um, getting over or where we might find some support at certain prices, right? And then I'm lock- watching for um, let's say it's Microsoft, right? So if Microsoft was, and, and this actually happened fairly recently, um, we were in the midst of that pullback, right? And we had Microsoft uh, was down in like the three low 300s. Um, but where did it find support? It found support, what used to be a tough level for it to get over, which would have been a resistance point, right? So it tells me that there are a whole lot of big companies out there and a whole lot of uh, hedge funds that that are looking at this stuff too and I, i'm you know usually investing in some big companies too right for clients i don't want to be in something that's super small that that any volume we throw at it with our with our you know all of our client base is going to move that price and we're not going to move microsoft's price right if we go in and buy a bunch yeah. um so i just want to see what's happening at these levels do i see that that level get get um, support. Does a lot of volume come in because that tells me, oh, there's institutions buying at these levels, right? That's not that's not our retail money. That's not a guy with you know a couple thousand dollars putting it into Microsoft. So if we see some of that stuff happen at key areas, then that tells me I'm probably um, going to want to jump on that and write that until I see it get to the next important level. And if it gets rejected there, then hey, we can cut our position or lighten it. Um, you know, so so that's just kind of a little tip of the to the iceberg. It's not all you know pure like this is what I'm going to do when it gets here, and this is but that that is part of it, and it also has to do with what industry are we in, what what sector of the market is it in, um, uh, is that a positive sector, or is it a negative sector? Because these things can happen with with some maybe it's a company I like, but the sector is kind of not doing so well. Um, then I then I, I give it a little bit less credence, and I'm not going to want to go in as much of a full position if that happens. So, sorry, that was maybe a couple minutes. No, that's technical time with John Harms right there. We should cut that out and put a commercial around it, John. It's, uh, <laughs> I just I have people all the time ask like, what's they're not asking this question, but this is what they should be asking, guys. What does your investment process look like? Why are you choosing what you're choosing in our portfolios? That John just said it scratches the surface, tip of the iceberg answer on uh, on some of it, but there there is a method, there is a process, there's a system um, that that we follow, and it's based on the folks' risk tolerance, right? Conservative through aggressive. What are we choosing and why? So, John, with all that stuff said, let's get back into something that folks run into all the time, or ho- hopefully we don't. But what mistakes have you seen this year from clients, and you can't call them out directly? Of but course, we can't. Not. <laughs> we can warn folks going forward that when certain things happen, let's try not to do this. What are some things that you've seen? Oh, I would say one of the the biggest ones is uh, during a market decline. So we've had again, we talked about the the two market pullbacks. Um, any large distributions that occur in those times um, can be fairly crippling for your return, right? So. 
there's a lot of data that goes back. I don't, you know, have the exact numbers in front of me, but most of the big positive days occur after the big negative times, right? So whether that's over the course of a whole year, this is why I was fairly confident that we would have a pretty good result this year mm-hmm. um, is because how bad we were for a significant period of time. And usually the recoveries are are pretty fierce, right? Yep. So when you take a large portion away from the market and you don't have to be super intelligent to figure this out, but that money is gone, right? So it's those shares are sold. When it comes back, you're not going to recoup the benefit of that that recovery. Um, I'd say probably the second thing is just and maybe not taking the money away completely, but if you want to shift over to like we, we saw this year, interest rates got high enough to to really give people incentive to stay in some cash instead of um deal with volatility. Um, so trying to time that is extremely difficult. Uh, I I spend, you know, I spend more time than most at this and I still am not right all the time. Right. I'm, you know, no your, your percentages of yeah. being a hundred percent, right. It just doesn't exist. So yeah. um, if you know when to get out, then you're going to have to tell me when to get back in. That's, that's the joke I always make because um, I can kind of, you know, shift around from sector to sector but but trying to make the guess of oh is this the time for the market is this the time to be out is, you know and usually those decisions are made after the market's already down you know they're just trying to keep themselves from from hitting a lower point and, and i always say there's there's kind of times where we really um uh, get that heads up from the market that that's going to happen but uh, and I'll say this too, for most people, they just want that reassurance. So it doesn't really happen that often when you have a conversation, like if you can just go over all this, the information with them, they usually feel better about it. maybe, maybe not great. That's how I say it. you don't have to feel great, just feel yeah. better. And don't make that decision to to sell out of the market because, you know, we're down 10% throughout the course of a year, right? Yeah. I want to add one thing, John, on that. The in the clients or the listeners, if you have a it accounts with your advisors, most of the time, if it's in a liquid account or it's invested in an advisory relationship or brokerage, like like you're the boss. You any of our clients at any time could tell us, guys, I can't take it anymore. I insist you do move it from here to here. So that's what John's talking about. With the if if you're going to tell me when to get out, you better tell me when to get back in. Also, because it's nearly impossible just because we can't say impossible, I guess, (laughs) time when to get back in or when to get out. But when folks got their September statements, right, the September 30th quarterly statement came out, we knew we were going to get some phone calls, some emails saying, hey, guys, I got my last statement. It's not looking good. And by the time that we got those emails or messages or phone calls or whatever it was, 99% of those accounts were back up above what they were before because the recovery was so fierce and so so quick. So that was an easy one, John. But what if it oh, were yeah. extended? What what if it was another three months of misery for these folks? When do you when do you give up? If and I know the answer to this, but like if I'm a client and I have one million dollars and I'm a relatively conservative person and I'm down to 800 and then I'm really nervous and then it drops to another 700, like a 2008 situation, right? Like when do you actually give up? Or do you plan for that in advance? 
Well, I, in general, um, I think the best thing, and, and you just kind of spoke on it, is understanding what the risk tolerance actually is and when do you need the money. So I, I often go to this um, analogy of of your house and the value of your house, right? If you looked at it on Zillow every day um, or wherever you go to look at the value, um, you know, it might surprise you to learn that the value of your house changes pretty significantly throughout the course of a year. Um I don't mind it. Like, um, so I'm not selling any part of my house to, to, um, you know, live my lifestyle. And if I'm a client that is relying upon my investments for, uh, income purposes, then I really only need to sell the amount to pay my bills for a period of time. Right. So and there are various strategies to try to make sure that you're not selling something that's down 20, 30% because, and again, we can't say always. We we don't have a you know we're, we're not prognosticators, and it's just happened so far throughout the course of human history that this the well since the stock market w- came about that eventually the market recovers. So that that's I guess the assumption that I'll go ahead with is that I don't know how long it'll be, but I, I expect at some point you know we're going to recoup the value. The value is down, right? You haven't lost money. The value is down, yep. right? So what you could go out into the market and sell those shares for is down right now. Just as my house value is down right now from where it was now last year, whatever. Yep. I'm not selling my house. I'm not selling these stocks, right? So, but but the, also maybe there are some stocks in there, or maybe there are some funds in there that uh, aren't holding up quite as well, or maybe the the whole sector or whatever they're in, maybe those don't make sense anymore. So it's it's not to say that like, I wouldn't say I'm ever giving up. It's just, okay, maybe these ones aren't right, but um, should I take my whole portfolio and go from you know whatever mix I had to completely cash or completely bonds or whatever? Um, no, that doesn't, that that really has never made sense. Um, in fact, it, it's usually the opposite when the time to throw more money in the market is usually when it's down 30%, right? So we have to kind of think counterintuitively um, when it comes to that stuff and say, okay, there is an endpoint for that. But as long as you have a plan for that, right? Like you said, yep. um, like me personally, what I try to set up with clients is, okay, we have you know one, two, sometimes even three, and sometimes it depends on the comfort level of the client, but we have money set aside. That's the money you're touching. That's the money you're relying upon income, right? And we have that. I don't care if it's making, I, I tell us all the time, interest rates are good now, but they weren't so good two years ago. I don't care. I don't care if I make any money off of that. I just want that money there as an emergency, right? That's the money we're relying on our income because I want to be able to come out clean without selling any of this stuff when it's done. I don't want to have to give up. Right. Because if you're giving up, you're essentially you're essentially giving up the possibility, like I said, of these good, sharp recoveries. Right. You're going to try to figure out when to get back in. And that's when most people that try to do that. end up far um, below where they could have been just by sticking it out. And and I know it's I always say I know it's tough. It's money. Um, as long as you can pay your bills and you don't have to uh, go back to work and be a greeter at Walmart, that's another joke I get a lot. Um, <laughs> yep. Then, then just if you have to, don't look at it. But usually, it is that conversation, and I say, you know, that's what we get. That's why we earn 
money for doing this, right? It's not just selection of investments, but it's it's guiding you through that, right? And making you feel better because, you know, ultimately, like we're still, we don't know when that's going to happen, right? It's still tough to get through for us and, and you know, having to um, help a client get through that. Is not easy. It's definitely psychology. None of us are trained psychologists that I know of. I mean, there's there's probably some out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, John, to completely switch gears again because we're running short on time. Your uh, 2024 is coming up. By the time this episode comes out, it should be the end of the year. What should we look forward to? I know you're big on milestone events and other things that are happening from uh, the the stuff that you give to us weekly, but what, what are we looking forward to in 2024? And obviously the one big obvious thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So you want to talk election? No, actually I'm going to start with um, an old saying. I think it, I, I forget who coined it, but it's as goes January. So goes the year. So that's, that's always something, I mean, again, you know, history, it could be different than what we see going forward, but it, it's one of the things I watch for. And that's how does the market start off? Um, there's actually been I think it's 17 cases where the market was down the first five days of the year and January finished down. And most of those years, so 14 out of 17 of those years, the market ended up either down or just about flat for the year. So I want to see what does the market do in January? Do we do we have a good start to the year? So this year, do you know what we started off in January this year? 6.1% in January. And we did have that pullback that I referred to, but here we are, you know, 11 months later, we're we're up 18.6%. So it doesn't always work out that way. And like I said, it's, you know, bumpy roads to get there, but that's probably the first thing that I want to see, right? Okay. Um, election year. Okay, we'll talk election. Um, <laughs> so there's just a quick one. Um, Who are you going to vote for, John? Uh, <laughs> that guy down the, this guy down the street yeah. for the president. I don't know. He's a good guy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so 20 of the 24 years since night or election years since 1928, um, the market the stock market has finished in the positive. So, um, they're, they're obviously outliers. So, um, what we would probably expect is to be, um, maybe a little muted, um, and certainly a little bit more volatile as you get towards the election, but I don't know, uh, anything can really happen and, and polling is going to come into play and I, this this year is going to be a circus. Let's be honest. It's going to be a circus. Um, so really, I'm going to focus. I I, I don't know if I mentioned this. Uh, I tell all my clients, I don't really watch the news. I watch the financial news. Um, but anything else going on, I mean, I, I guess I hear about it from everybody and from social media and all that. But I'm just trying to focus on what, what are my investments doing? So the election is going to play some part. I don't necessarily know what that is, nor do I necessarily care. I just want to see what what is actually happening in the markets, and that that way I can put my focus on that. Um, well, it's things you can control, right? Like, yeah, I said this all the time, yeah. We, we can control how our clients are set up. We can control the investments that they're in. We can rebalance. We can move some things around based on what's happening. I can't control polling and the election itself, and then the aftermath. But we can control yeah. the pie chart that our clients are in. So, so I, I mean, I would just anticipate again, kind of muted some volatility. It's more about like, okay, the market doesn't necessarily know what what to expect and what you know who's going to control Congress and all that. So it's not just a president, you know. It's it's what happens with Congress, 
what kind of laws get passed, what's the the business environment, all that type of stuff. And then you usually, once the market kind of knows, then, you know, you see seasonality just like any other year, a pretty good finish to the year is what happens most of the time. And then um, the first year of a presidential uh, term is usually very good. So I don't know. There's all sorts of other things uh, coming into play. Do we have a recession? Is it is that you know going to be a uh, muted one? Do we get the Fed soft landing that they've tried to um, engineer here? Um, so that's kind of the other stuff I'm looking at. You know, from an event standpoint, is is all the Federal Reserve meetings, all the economic data. Um, what did they do with interest rates? Um, so everything economically is very good right now. So. You know, the, the things that I would watch for um, that would give me any sort of uh, concern for uh, is there a possible recession? None of that stuff's really playing out. So it's a personal income, jobs, payroll, consumer spending, retail sales, uh, per industrial production. All that stuff is really kind of green uh, on the boards right now. Um Starting to see maybe concerns with household debt, um, you know, as a percentage of expenditures, it's it's right in line um, with what we're used to. Um, what we're maybe starting to see is a, a ticking up in um, delinquencies on auto and credit cards. So those are kind of parts of the story. And I, you've heard me say this before, like no one part of the story is the story, right? You got to put all these parts together before you really see what the story is. And so far, all the parts for me are telling me that that we should have um, pretty good um, results from markets, but you you just never know. So we you know um, have to be open to other other possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, but again, what happens in January? Kind of my sector watch, so that I do all the time. What sectors are leading? Because right now we've had very good strength by technology, consumer discretionary, and communications. We're starting to see like this last month, um, real estate has actually been one of the top. And that's because these interest rates are coming back down. Um, so is that a new trend or is this just kind of an aberration? But if the Fed you know, actually has the lower interest rates, then that could be a boom to real estate continued. So we'll we'll see. I, that those are the things that I watch for, not just you know election. It's a, okay. It's an afterthought, kind of for me. Yeah. And so so John, you're using technicals and sector analysis and rates and moving averages and all these things. Do you know what I use? Is the Pulsini Family Index, <laughs> and that is how many Amazon packages show up at my front door during that month for my wife ordering things. And so far, Allison is undefeated. Every month it's up. There are more packages. When nothing shows up in July, August, September, we're out of the markets. She's got the timing nailed, folks. So maybe we should just so talk. All to her. we need from you then is just a regular update. <laughs> I'm scared to admit it, John. <laughs> um, all right. Let me. I'm going to ask you one more question. I know you're going to love this question, and then uh, I know you're busy. We'll get you going. So we and we appreciate your time. So if you had to guess where the S and P will be to end 2024. And by the way, I know, I wish that I had the numbers in front of me of where all of the big banks and the big firms guess the year. And you've seen that before. Where they're not even, yep. they're not even close. And no one knows what they're doing. It's the best. It's anywhere from like 3,600 to 6,200 was like the big banks, just crazy. So if John had to guess where the S&P will end up in 2024, where, John, where is it right now for the listener? Give the, give the number. And then where do you think it'll end up? 
Oh, geez. At last look, we were right around 4,600, 4,570 ish. Um, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a guess. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. Trying to do. I not can't get you guys to do this. That's, I'm not an analyst. <laughs> um, you know, I like, again, I, I tell these guys all the time. I'm not a predictor. I just look at what the environment is right now. And, and that's what makes me make decisions. So if, if you're, anybody's curious about that stuff, then, you know, that's, that's, Stuff I can answer individually, but uh, no, I'm not going to stick my neck out and tell you fifty thousand. No, yeah, there you go. So, so John, how how do the listeners or viewers get a hold of you? Uh, so, website? find me, yep. find me on the web www.sixpointfp.com. Yeah, there, there it is, folks. John Harms. Hey, man, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. I have the pleasure of listening to this stuff all the time. So. uh I wanted to spread that, spread that love and spread that joy this holiday season, John. So uh, again, David, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity as always, you know, you know how much I enjoy getting on podcasts. The pleasure is all on this side of the table. <laughs> Make it a great day, folks. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of six-point financial partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by six-point financial partners or RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA, CPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, six-point financial partners and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.